Yes, we're back. Coming in hot with episode 26 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by a man who's had more injuries than the Liverpool back four, Jobber. <laughs> oh, it's good to be back, isn't it? Thank God. How's the body together, mate? Just or? Um, no, no, we're flying. We're flying. We're out of COVID now. The, sun, the sun's back. Um, it's good. What have you been up to in the international break? Uh, I haven't been watching a lot of football, if I'm honest with you. Um, what about yourself? Been into the football or are you sticking to the Prem? It, it, I'm in and out of the international football. I just can't get inspired by the Nations League and the, friend, the friendlies just don't do it for me. Yeah, I want to love it and I just can't get into it. I mean, what's not to love about a big international tournament? On paper, it sounds amazing, but I just can't get into it, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they're struggling with the uh, crowds as well. It just makes it even worse. Yeah, that does make it worse. Um, the atmosphere is pretty flat in those friendlies anyway, plus when you take the crowd away, oh, it really does go to zero. Um, all right, so let's have a look at the flavor of the pod. So we've got an opening question into some weekly happenings, um, and we've probably taken our eye off the ball of um, anything too deep, really, in the international <laughs> week, as most of the fans have. Then we've got the EPL preview, couple of big fixtures and a full round of fixtures. So we've got full 10 fixtures. Um, then we're into some socials. But let's crack in with our opening question. What do you got? All right. So I know you've been busy um, putting together cases in various states in America for recounts. So like the world's at a standstill. Trump's requested a recount for the US election. So I was thinking if you could go back in time and request one recount in world football, what would it be? Firstly, can we all make a pact that this, uh, this is going to be your last Trump reference before we can all move on? Until, big un- fella. until Biden gets shown for the fraud that he is, um, there'll be more <laughs> Trump references. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sweating, I'm sweating out my hair, though, I think about it. <laughs> okay, I'll up too. Oh, poor Rudy. Big, big month for Rudy, actually. Um, anyway, so I would, if I would want a recount, I would want a recount on um, the manager's player of the season at Manchester United in Mourinho's last year. So, <laughs> as you know, um, Scott, Scotty, McTominay, Scotty McTominay um, featured in a total of eight games that season um, and started none of them. So, eight substitute appearances in the Premier League and he won player of the season um, per Jose Mourinho. So I don't know um, if you can recount the votes of one, but I think at some point <laughs> someone really needs to dive in and um, and work out was he really the player of the season that year. But even all these years later, I'm still trying to work out what Mourinho, what his angle was in doing that. Like what was he trying to do? Was he trying to like boost Scotty and, and develop him a bit faster and move him on? Or was he just trying to piss someone off in the squad? That's the mystery of that. Yeah. What have I, you got, man? I, I thought Scott was good for it, to be honest. Um, so my one's a little bit more controversial. So 19, we'll take your mind back to 1966, the World Cup final. Jeff Hurst um, scored a hat trick against West Germany. So I would like a recount of the goals scored by England. I still, oh, <laughs> don't, the line, I still, I still don't think that Jeff Hurst... Um, I still don't think the ball crossed the line, and I'd like to see a recount for the West Germans. Um, and football should never have come home, in my opinion. So I don't know if it's possible with VAR if we can go back and have a look at it, or if we've got the footage for them to go up, 
to VAR and get it wrong again. But um, I'd like to see a recount of the 1966 World Cup final goals. Yeah, if the referee had one of those watches, I'm sure it would have gone off. No, there's more to it than that. That's, I think it's a big conspiracy. All right, but look, the weekly happening. So um, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of COVID scares in the last two weeks, um, particularly around the Brazil camp. After, like, because I think the testing in Brazil is quite antiquated. But Mohamed Salah and Mohamed El Nini both have got COVID nineteen. So bad news for Arsenal and Liverpool, especially Liverpool. They just can't catch a break right now. They they can't catch a break. And did you hear how um, Mo got um, COVID? So he, um, so all the Liverpool players agreed to um, you know not participate in um, like certain events that would be going on, but, um, whether that be in their family or, or on their international break um, that they didn't have to attend. Um, but one of the things Mo went to was his brother's wedding, and that's where he picked up COVID. So I think um, the Egyptians were a little bit liberal on the um, <laughs> on the social distancing and the, the rules of, of rooms and things like that. Um, yeah, and he's picked up COVID at his brother's wedding. So there you go. So he's out this weekend. So then more bad news for Liverpool as Jordan Henderson and Joe Gomez were injured on international duty. So this one really made some blood boil, didn't it? Yeah, uh, this is just another reason for Klopp to get angry. He already was not excited about um, his team going on um, on the international break. But the thing about Joe Gomez is, which I, I don't think I've seen any vision, and I'm not sure if anyone has, but because that was at training um, and Southgate said after the injury that he was on his own and he went down and no one was around him. And Southgate said, at that moment, I knew it was serious. So, yeah, that would be music to Kloppo's ears, I think. And I'm sure he took that well, Klopp. Oh, do you reckon Gareth Southgate turned his phone off after that one? <laughs> or locked his doors? And Klopp yeah, is demon. Oh, and that's just another reason for him and some of the other bigger managers in the Prem just to pile in on the international stuff too. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just not helping anyone, especially right now too, like when everyone's restricted on travel and if everyone's like, we can keep football alive, we have to give up one thing, I've got to take away the international friendlies. Yeah. I can live without those. So, all right, so let's move into the preview. So we start back and what better place to start than the fine city of Newcastle? Brucey's boys taking on Chelsea. What do you think? Yeah. Again, just coming back from international break, it's just hard to see or feel what type of form or, or quality um, the players are going to be in. Like um, how many how many minutes they played for their their country, how much travel they had to do. So it's it's kind of hard to tip this round, isn't it? But um, I think I'm probably leaning towards Chelsea, um, and Chelsea could go top at least for a, a day if they win this fixture. Um, and Newcastle have gone seven games without a clean sheet. So if you're Chelsea and you are the top scorers in the Premier League, I think you should be able to put a few past Newcastle. So based on those couple of stats and a couple of indicators, I'm leaning towards Chelsea getting it done. Um, but one thing I found interesting during the week, did you see Brucey's presser pre the um, pre-game? Or I suppose... Um, just leading up into the week. No, go and talk me through Yeah, okay. So so they asked Brucey what he thought of um, Chelsea and um, then Brucey went on a five-minute five um, non-stop rant about all the, all the signings that Chelsea have made 
And the whole time, like, but he wasn't like, you know, when Mourinho does it, he's like, you know, there's a little jab in there about how much money they've spent or when Klopp does it, he's like, can't talk about, can't do anything without mentioning all the money that Man City spent. Whereas Brucey's come from a different angle. Brucey was like juicing over all the signings. He's like, <laughs> oh, they're signing Werner. He's just so cool. He's just so fast. Oh, and then at the back, they got silver. He was just absolutely buzzing about their signings. And, like, he was genuinely pleased for them that he, um, they were able to secure their signings. So, yeah, I, go, go and watch it if you haven't had a chance. But, yeah. but Brucey, yeah, he's gone with a real different angle there. But what are you seeing up into this fixture? Um, so you think Bruce is angling for the job when Frank gets a sack? <laughs> yeah, it's only a matter of time. Uh, yeah, look, I think this one, it's hard to believe Chelsea can go top. So Chelsea got the best attack in the competition right now, which is probably mm. isn't that much of a surprise, but like it's taken a little while, but they got there. Um, undefeated in six as well. So it's sort of hard to see Newcastle get any points. But, you know, I love a stat. So Newcastle have lost just one of their last seven home games against Chelsea. 1-5, drawn one. And last year they beat them with an Isaac Hayden strike. So there's a bit of form here for Newcastle. It doesn't all look too bleak. Um, and I don't know if you've seen much of them, but they're kind of set up for games like this. Like they're, they're happy to sit back um, when they don't try and play it out like they did against Southampton and they just look comical. But if they bang it along, St. Maximum one-on-one, like if he gets one-on-one with Thiago Silva, like anything could happen. Um, Callum Wilson's been scoring for fun. So I actually don't – I think this might be closer than it appears, but I do think there are goals in the game. Yeah, I think the pattern of play and how the game's going to play out is easy to see here where Newcastle are going to um, sit back and Chelsea are going to have most of the ball and it's just a matter of whether Chelsea can break him down or, yeah, Bruce can pull off something where he can shut it down, play a low block and um, get um, get him on the break with um, – uh, maximum. So yeah. So just the last one on that. So say Maximum, he is just box office, isn't he? He's just so good to watch. He's, he's yeah. playing something else. Like everyone else playing football, he just does whatever he wants. So I think he's one player that would benefit from the fans being there. So I think broadly Newcastle are benefiting, benefiting, especially Brucey from not having fans there. Just the the pressure and the style they play. Because if they sit back like that. Um, like I'm, I'm sure they're going to do against Chelsea and the fans were there. Um, yeah, there'd be just some unrest from the fans and I think they'd sort of be booing and encouraging them to push forward when realistically if they push forward, they're going to get picked apart. So I think, yeah, Newcastle is in a better position for no fans, but I think, yeah, um, Maximin, he needs the fans there. I think if when he gets on the ball and you hear the roar and the excitement of the, of the crowd being there, telling him to take him on and whip it into the top corner. Um, I think that benefits him. So, yeah, interesting dynamic there, I think. But when Chelsea beat Newcastle and go top and have the best attack in the league and are top of the table, at that point, will you admit you were wrong about Frank at the start of the year? No, I'll never never admit I'm wrong. In the staring blindly in the face of facts, I'll never admit to being wrong. (laughs) What about when he's lifting the trophy at that point? (laughs) No, I'll be be, be down there demanding a recount. Um, Stop stop the cup, something along those lines. I'll think of something by then. (laughs) Frank's a big fraud and he'll be found out eventually. All right, Um, Chelsea for me and you've got Newcastle. (laughs) I've still still very much got Chelsea. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right, moving on. So Aston Villa versus Brighton. Um, I think this one could be a bit of a surprise packet, like as entertainment goes. What do you think? Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think if you're looking at some of the fixtures this this week, um, this would probably be one of the lower games that I would be less likely to watch. But I think that um, Villa will just have too much for for Brighton. Villa, I don't know, they're a bit hard to pick at the moment. They started off well and then they um, just had a couple of losses in their, in their last three games um, but then won their last one going into into the break. But I think that they'll just have too much firepower for, for Brighton um, and unfortunately for Brighton, I think they're going to be staying down at that half of the table. Um, for the near future, even though they just signed Danny Welbeck um, and he's played his, his first uh, – had his first start for them. But I wanted to cover Jack's performance during the week and was it overstated when they compared Jack, his man of the match performance in a 2-0 loss for England to Paul Gascoigne? Yes or no? <laughs> um. <laughs> Wow, uh, that's not, that's not getting too carried away at all, is it? So, well, I don't know. so in that, the, gener- in the, that British, the British press do this all the time. He's honestly he he went on a couple of runs um, in that game. England lost two nil, and but sort of did dominate the game to an extent. And then all the headlines I read the next day were just about the comparisons of Jack and Paul Gascoigne. And I'm like, what are you do guys doing I, to him? I feel like people who are making these comparisons never saw Paul Gascoigne play. Um, like there must be like youthful journalists or something. Like he's not on that level. Like Paul Gascoigne was not a once in a generation player, but Paul Gascoigne could do anything. Like on his day, Paul Gascoigne was like almost peerless at, at points. Like he was just unbelievable. He could do everything, Paul Gascoigne. And he had like a, a number of problems off the field too, which he managed to overcome week in, week out. Um, I think English press are getting a little bit excited, but it just puts so much pressure on Jack Grealish unnecessarily. Why can't, why can't Jack yeah. just be good? Why does he have to be as good as Paul Gascoigne? Or the new Paul Gascoigne or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, just appreciate him for him. And um, and as you say, all the off-field antics from Gascoigne just makes all his on-field stuff so much better because he done it under those um, <laughs> under those conditions. <laughs> under duress. But, yeah, so I'm leaning towards Villa here. Um, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think I think Villa as well. I don't think Brighton have, haven't beaten Villa um, in about 40 years apparently. I read the other day. So, um, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't play each other that much either, to be fair. No, nah, I think it's about eight times. But um, I think, yeah, I, I, I have said before I like watching Brighton, but I am a bit worried about them now because, like, they're good to watch. They play good football, but they've only won once. Um, and it's only the, like, how bad Sheffield United, Burnley, West Brom, Fulham have been. That's keeping them out of the relegation zone. Even yeah, though the they're down in 16th, aren't they? But, mm. yeah, the performances have been good and attractive, but... Yeah, I just worry that they're not doing enough to grind out those games. Um, and I don't think they'll be able to beat a fairly red-hot Villa team, like sitting in sixth, Jack's flying. I think, this, this could, I think they could win this by a few, Villa. Yeah, so Villa are in sixth with a, with a game in hand as well. So I think, yeah, they've um, achieved well and above what, um, what they sort of – were projected to do at least initially at the start of the season. So if they had, if we assume that they win that game um, in hand, um, they would be top right now. Are you saying Villa can win the league? No, I'm no, saying Leicester right. was a shoot. No, I'm not saying. <laughs> Leicester will um, stay there okay. from now on. Villa, Villa for both of us. So should we move on to the um, what everyone is calling the thigh rubber of this round? We've got Spurs, Man City, 
Pep versus Jose again. What are you thinking here? Oh, jeez. Isn't it good football's back, huh? Bloody hell. Come straight back into it with this. I... I think this is a really hard one to pick because um, I thought City were City's last game out against Liverpool. They were pretty good um, against obviously a very good team, um, but they they haven't hit the mark this season in the league. Like they've just been so patchy. You just don't know what City you're going to get on a given day. Spurs have sort of slowly, slowly, slowly just kept climbing up the table, and now they're second. Sun can't stop scoring. Harry Kane's flying. Gareth Bale's easing his way back in. Jeez. Oh, I don't know. I think there's so many facts here, but I actually think Spurs are going to get up. I think Jose's going to get one over Pep. What do you think? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that it's probably an interesting fixture, especially coming back from the um, international break to see what state both of the, the sets of players are in. Um, I know Fernand Torres, did you see his goals against um, Germany? I mean, he just some of his finishing in the week was... Um, unbelievable. So, yeah, I was rather impressed with him. Interesting, um, Pep signed a new deal during the week. Um, it's a one plus one deal. So, yeah, interesting to see what that does to the, the dynamic there and um, and how the players sort of react to that. I think, yeah, if, if you're playing every week under Pep, you're probably excited about that. If you're sort of on the outskirts of the team, um, you're probably thinking that they would have um, held off and then bought Potch in because they'll speak this people speaking about um, Potch already being lined up for that job and um, Pep was going to transition out and Potch was going to transition in. So, yeah, interesting space there. Um, and um, we'll see how Spurs players um, react coming back from the international break. So, um, you know, I have a keen eye for social media. So um, I've picked up this post from uh, the man himself, Jose, um, about the international round. So, uh, the, the, I'll talk you through the picture first. The picture is him on a leg extension machine inside the um, Tottenham gym. Um, and, yeah, it's sort of a candid shot. He's got the head turned um, and you can see beautiful hedges out the back and, yeah, nicely kitted out gym. And you've got Jose in full Spurs tracksuit on the leg extension machine. I can't tell you how much weight he's got in there. I can't see the pin from this angle. Moving on to the caption, the caption is amazing week of football, great emotions in all national team matches, superb friendlies and total safety. COVID test results after the matches have been played, great. Randomness running on the pitch while the sessions are taking place and much more. Emoji thinking. After another training session with only six of my players, it is now time to take care of myself. (laughs) It's him in the gym. So yeah, obviously Jose is a big fan of the uh, of the yeah. international break as well. Um, so for but him, to, but to, for, him, for him, this might not have been a bad break because Raheem Sterling also picked up a knock in England camp. So maybe Jose needs to start promoting international games if it keeps working in his favour. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think you're just not going to keep him happy. Um, you're not going to keep any of those um, managers of the big six happy with um, international football. But, I mean, going going into this game, um, I'm probably leaning towards um, Man City. I think they're, they're, they're slowly getting their season together. I think it's no um, surprise that they've um, had a sort of slow start to the season, um, but I think they're really picking up momentum now. And, I mean, even though they're um, all the way down in 10th, they're just not too far off the 
off the top four and um, and then Leicester and Spurs and Liverpool as well. So, yeah, I think the, it's probably a little bit deceiving that they're down in 10th um, and I think I'm leaning towards Man City going into this one. All right, last question. Does Gareth Bale start? Yes, I think he got his he, what what he needs is minutes, and he got a, he got a bunch of minutes um, for Wales this week. So yeah, Matt Doherty yeah, almost gave so. him COVID nineteen. I saw that. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? So um, Doherty um, apparently had COVID, and pre-game um, when Gareth was playing for Wales um, before the game, he sort of didn't do the I don't know the fist pump or the elbow touch or whatever. Not even the handshake. He's gone in for the sort of um, gangster handshake and then um, little hug at the end of it. So, yeah, warm embrace and he is regretting that now. But I think he tested negative. Is that right? He did. He did. He did test negative. Yeah. So um, is this match of the round or are you looking a little bit further into Sunday's fixtures to see match of the round? Uh, you think United-West Brom? Um, mm. <laughs> no, I, oh, I don't know. When you said it before, Liverpool-Leicester is pretty bloody exciting. Um, and look, we'll get to that, but I think – Jeez. Yeah, I think this has to be... No, actually, I'm going to go back on myself. Liverpool-Leicester's match of the round, but I think this one's just such a good game. Oh, I wish they'd scheduled it on another day so I could have a full day to prepare. Um, <laughs> so eight league titles between these two, um, these two <laughs> managers, so that will be interesting. And, yeah, I just love seeing um, seeing these two go head-to-head. Um, so it will be an interesting fixture. So, yeah, Man City for me. What are you, So you've got Spurs, is that what you're telling me? I've got Spurs. I'm brave. I'm going for Spurs. Yep. So, do you think Spurs can go ahead and win the title? Uh, are they good enough to go on that run, or at some point will their season slow down? Because if if you're saying if Spurs beat um, Man City, that kind of tells me that you think that Spurs can go all the way eventually. Yeah, well, I think with Liverpool's injuries, like I think that just opens the league right up because um, they've like they've just been performing at a whole another level. Um, and then after that, it sort of levels out. I think Spurs can win the league. Whether or not they will um, is another thing because they're Spurs and they might well get to the last game of the season needing to win by, you know, a goal and then lose 8-0 or find some way to lose to Brighton 15-0 and turn the goal difference around. Spurs could also do that, but they could definitely win the league. So Klopp said during the week that there's eight teams that can win the league. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Who, who have you got as a genuine title contenders after eight rounds? I think City, Liverpool, City, Liverpool, Spurs, and then Leicester as the smoky. I don't think Chelsea can win the league. Really? Okay. Interesting. See, I've got got those three, but I'll swap Chelsea for um, Leicester. I'll bring Chelsea in and move Leicester out. I think Leicester should give the Champions League spots a shake, but, um, yeah, won't be in title contention. All right, let's go on to another title contender, Manchester United versus West Bromwich Albion. Who do you like in this one? And can West Brom break their duck? Yeah, well, I think this is a great fixture for Oli to come back to. (laughs) West Brom at home, I mean, they should be able to get this done. Um, West Brom looking rubbish. Man United not looking much better, but I think they've just got some tools that can um, finish West Brom off and, and get it done. I'm interested to see what team Ollie picks. So, again, after the international break, who sort of knows who, who's fit and who's available and what sort of state the players have come back in. But, yeah, interesting to see what formation he goes with firstly and secondly, um, who he actually puts in those positions. Does Daniel James 
get a start <laughs> based on that one strike for Wales during the week? <laughs> I, I sincerely hope not. Um, now, look, Dan James did have a good week and he was quite impressive, but um, Wales and Manchester United are a very different proposition. Um, yeah, look, I, I think the biggest talking point from the international break coming back into this one was the performances of Paul Pogba. So Paul Pogba obviously can't break into this Manchester United team, which is um, which is absolutely flying currently down in 14th position. Um, but Pogba can't break into the starting lineup. Um, but he was quite impressive in both of the fixtures for France. I don't think like, I think it was a little bit overhyped, but um, like he was just solid and he fit like he make the France team comfortably and be a vital cog in that. But he can't get in the Manchester United team. Explain that to me. Yeah, well, I think he's in favour at um, um, with Didier Deschamps and he's out of favour um, with Oli, I think. And Didier um, Deschamps knows his best team and has won a World Cup with Pogba, so I think he trusts him, whereas I don't think Oli trusts Paul at the moment. Um, whether that can change anytime soon, I'm, I'm not sure. But I think he, he needs to find his way into the team soon. Otherwise, he's just going to agitate for a move, I think. Yeah, but I, I think... So I was looking at a, a Guardian article the other day, and they've suggested that the suggested lineup's going to be Juan Bissaka, Tuan Zahibi, Maguire, Tellez, obviously De Hayes and Goal, sorry, McTominay, Fred, James, Fernandez, Rashford, Martial. I wouldn't be surprised at any of those apart from um, Twin Zabi getting picked. Oh, yeah, I, I, I think Lindelof. I think Lindelof might be coming back from a knock as well. So he may right. not play. He got the hook for Sweden after 60 minutes. Luke Shaw is definitely out. But um, I'd like to see Mason Greenwood start too instead of Daniel James. I just don't think – or Donny Vanderbeek maybe. I don't know if anyone's heard of him. Um, <laughs> but really, that's the thing. Oh, like I'm, We've covered this a bunch of times. But, um, yeah, just how do you squeeze him in? To, to get Donny and to get Paul in, you need to change your formation. Ollie's not looking to change his formation. Therefore, those two often miss out because of the formation that he picks. Do you need two holding midfielders against West Bromwich Albion? I think if you've got your centre-backs and your defenders, I think you do at Manchester United. I don't think you can keep them exposed like that. I think if you take the two holding um, midfielders out, you're just going to cop so many goals. And we're going to, uh, and just more recently, the back four have looked more steady. And I think that's because they've had more protection, not because they've changed anything in particular. They've just got more protection to not being so exposed when you see um, someone running at um, Harry Maguire. Yeah. Um, he just looks so exposed and so vulnerable, but now they don't have that. So as soon as you take out those two, you, you ask, yes, you might squeeze Donnie in or yes, you might squeeze Paul in, but then I just think it exposes your back four. So that's the predicament they're in. I think the evolution of Manchester United is that they start with a two now, get things right, get things solid, and then they'll evolve to having one at the pivot and then you'll have two in front with two tens, someone playing um, next to um, Bruno. But at the moment, I think they better stay with the two at the base. Yeah, so I think they'll have enough for West to beat West Bromwich Albion. Or I, yeah, I really, I that, really I, hope so. My God, I think they will as well. I think they'll they'll beat West Brom. But in the last three games, there's been a draw, a Manchester United win, and a West Brom win. So read into that what you will. Oh God, please no! I'll be if this if this comes in, if West Brom win by Monday, I'll be broken. I just can't handle this emotional roller coaster anymore. So moving on, moving on to Fulham versus Everton. So what do you think about this one? And did Everton need the break? 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. International break came at a good time for Everton, didn't it? I think they they started off well and their form all of a sudden turned real patchy. Um, they lost a couple of games. But, I mean, that's just, this is just what the doctor ordered, isn't it, for Big Carlo? Come back from international break and you got to play Fulham. <laughs> just what the doctor ordered. Is, is Richarlison back in from suspension? I think he is. I think he comes back this week and I think he's a vital cog. Um, for them as well. So if he can come back into the side against Fulham, then anything could happen here. Because they haven't won in four in the league. They were top going into the yeah. Liverpool game. So they've gone draw, lost to Southampton, lost to Newcastle, lost to Manchester United, and they've had two players sent off in that time as well. Silly sending off as well. Um, so Fulham... They gave a good account of themselves um, in their last game against West Ham, wasn't it? Um, so I think their performances have been okay. And then we had the horrendous penalty um, by Lookman, which I still haven't moved past actually, um, where it cost them the point. But I think in terms of performance, they gave a good account of themselves. But just closing out games and, and finishing off teams and, and either sticking to it and getting a point or getting across the line for a win is just what escapes them, just that game management stuff for Fulham. And I think Everton will be too strong for them. They've probably got too many sharp tools for Fulham to deal with, especially with their brittle back four. So, yeah, Everton will get it done. Interestingly, I read a stat during the week that um, Allen has more tackles than anyone else in the Premier League. That's a handy stat. He's good, isn't he? Um, so Richarlison's a doubt for Everton. Um, and I forgot about this. So Edison Cavani was sent off for a tackle on Richarlison during the international break. So he's in doubt. Oh, okay, I missed that. Yeah, right. Uh, but, this, but Alan might be out of this fixture. Um, he's still coming back from – I think he copped a knock in the break as well. So it's positive news there for Scotty Parker. Do you think Scott Parker's going to win the sack race? Uh, well, he deserves it based on <laughs> form. Um, him and Chris Wilder um, are neck and neck at this point. Yeah, he deserves it based on form. I think one of the differences in um, between Chris Wilder and um, Scott's team is that I think I've seen some performances from Fulham where I haven't really seen any from Sheffield United. The other thing is um, it's about who you get in. So they very well might make the right decision to move Scotty on. But unless you've got someone who's going to give them a bump um, and, and get them up the table, yeah, I think you, you're better off just sticking with Scott and keeping your cash. Yeah, what I do you think? Would you, would you stick stick with or twist? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised no one got sacked in the last week and a half. Um, I think everyone got a little bit lucky in that bottom four and Ollie as well. Um, but – yeah, oh, I think you're going to have to change something and it's going to be like you have from now to Christmas Like, and you have to make a decision. Either we're going to stick with him or we're going to back someone else to get the job done and give him time in January to put some players in to fix the problems that they've seen because um, otherwise if you do it after January, I think it's just too late and like they have nothing they can change dramatically to save you. So I think in the next month it's really going to be um, – yeah, this is a really make or break for Scotty Parker. Yeah, I agree. I think that they're probably going to give him the next month and, and Chris Wilder for, for that matter and Ollie really. Give him the next month to see how they perform um, and if they can turn it around, then that's it. They'll probably stick with them and, and tip some money in while the window opens. But I think if results continue to slide for either of those teams, 
I think what you'll see is a change in manager just before the window opens and give that manager a chance to go to the market and bring in some players and, and make a change there. Interestingly, over the last five games um, between these two, Everton have won three, Fulham have won two of those fixtures. So no draws here, I don't think. I have Everton to get it done for Carlo. Yeah, good. All right, so next one is Sheffield United versus West Ham. What do you think about this one and why will West Ham win? Yeah, well, I don't think too much about this one. Um, West Ham will win. Sheffield United are rubbish. Um, Stone bottom of the Prem, one point next to their name and West Ham will get it done here. West Ham is travelling, but I don't think that should impact them too much. I think they'll get it done. Um, What do you think on this? Just straightforward West Ham win? Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward West Ham win. um, They've been, again, another one who's slowly climbing up the table. They're up to 12th now. A win could take them up to 7th if results go their way. Um, And I thought they they weren't at their best against Fulham, but they did enough. The performances have been getting slowly better after a horrendous start to the season when we looked at their fixtures and they could have been 10 games and no wins. Um, and I think the other thing, good thing about the international break is it's given Mikhail Antonio a bit of time to recover. I'm not sure if you remember a couple of weeks ago, but he was absolutely electric. Um, and I think when he's playing and in form, they are just a much better team. Um, it's good to see Ben Rama in there, but yeah, I think Mikhail Antonio just makes such a big difference for them. Yeah, I agree. I think West Ham, as you mentioned, struggled at the start of the year. And I think what really turned their form around is Moisey catching COVID um, and not being on touchline. That really helped West Ham. <laughs> Need a break, you think? Or? <laughs> no, no. It, it just that oddly coincided with their turn of form. I think the three games that he was on the on the touchline or he was phoning it in from um, and Stuart Pearce was on the on the touchline, they, they won all three games, um, most notably against um, Leicester. So, yeah, they sort of turned their, their form around there. But they had that horrendous run of fixtures and I think early on when they um, hadn't picked up any points and had that tough run of fixtures ahead of them, a lot of people um, had Moisey for the sack race. But, yeah, they, they've turned it around and done well. Um, yeah, Antonio, he's, he's a big loss for them, as you mentioned as well. I just think he, he's just too big and when he's that big, he's going to pick up injuries. I think if he slims down um, and loses some of that size, um, he might lose some of his power, but I think he's going to spend more time on the pitch. Okay, all right. So next one we have is um, it's one of those degrees of separation things. So it's Leeds versus Arsenal. Arteta obviously a disciple of Guardiola. Guardiola a disciple of Bielsa, and Thomas Partey's out for Arsenal. What do you think about Leeds versus Arsenal? Can I, can Arteta turn it around? At, yeah, Arsenal hard to pick, aren't they? They they Very put in a good shift and a good performance and get a good result, um, and the next week they just they crumble. So. Yeah, they're just – they would be a frustrating team to, to follow, I would imagine, um, and support. But I think this will really test Arsenal. Um, interesting to see how, who controls the game here. So I think Leeds will try and get on the front foot, as they always do. We always know their style. But same with Arteta. He's going to want to control the ball and control the style and the pace of the game. So interesting to see who can get their foothold in there first. I'll probably think that a battle will be won or lost in the midfield and whoever sort of stamps their authority down there will have control of the game. And whoever can do that, I think, will go on and and win it. Uh, Arsenal, I think, are a little bit – this is going to sound weird – but a little bit more solid at the back than um, Leeds – 
couple of the um, goals that Leeds have conceded this year have just been a bit goofy at, at the back, and I think that'll cost them this weekend. I think Arteta's boys will get it done. What are your thoughts? Do you think Bielsa's team can sort of stand their authority on the game or um, Arteta's style? So I actually think Arsenal aren't too bad at um, nullifying attacking teams. Like I think Arteta's improved that about them. Um, they, they're a bit more, they're a bit more gritty. Um, they're not, they're not there yet. But I feel like they, they don't get, um, like they're not the Arsenal of old where they're swashbuckling and can't defend. I think they've gotten slightly better at that. Um, and mm, Leeds, their Leeds, goals against would suggest otherwise. But if that's what yeah, you're but Leeds, Leeds are like Leeds are so good to watch an attack. They knock the ball around. As I said, they impose themselves. They're brilliant. But I'm a little bit worried about Bielsa's boys here because they don't seem to have fixed those defensive issues. They're still making the same mistakes. They've got the worst defence in the league. Um, and I, I'm very surprised that Marco hasn't solved that problem yet um, or if he's just committed to attacking to stand up. But they are, they seem very, very, very vulnerable at the back um, and often as well. So I just don't think that like you can get – like you can't get past a team like Arsenal being that vulnerable at the back. Mm. But what makes them good going forward is what makes them vulnerable at the back. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like as they – Flood forward with so many numbers. They push the, push the wing backs on. Um, they get the um, centre midfielders involved, um, and they play expansive football. Um, they're stretched all the way, really wide, and they play a lot of switches. Um, so I think that makes them look great to watch going forward. Um, and especially when you score goals and and open teams up by doing that, they they look amazing. But as I said, that same thing makes them look so vulnerable because they're they're just so expanded. So when the ball turns, they concede a lot of goals on on transition because they're they're too far up the pitch or, or too wide to to close those holes. So yeah, something for Bielsa to work on. But to, like I don't know Bielsa well enough to say that. Um, like, will he actually go and do that? Will he actually go and solve those problems? Or will he, instead of solving the defensive problem, will he just think, well, what I'll work on is um, that switch pass getting made 10 times out of 10 instead of nine times out of 10 when it turns over on the ninth, we um, we can see goals. Like, what's – do you know what I mean? Like, is, yeah. is he going to work on keeping the ball better and he says, oh, that will solve the defensive problems? Or will he actually go and try and solve some of the defensive problems? It's, it's interesting um – from perspective, because Bielsa is quite like a purist, but potentially, as you say, he might need to be a bit more pragmatic in the second half of the season. Like, because currently they are just copying a lot of goals, and that needs to stop if they want to stay up. But yeah, I, I don't know if he sticks to a philosophy. I think that would be more likely that he'll stick with the philosophy. But and I'd live like and die by it. <laughs> live yeah. and die by it. Yeah, just seems like that sort of um, that sort of complicated creature. But I, like this game could be anything. Um, and as far as tipping it goes, I've gone and I've said you know Arsenal could do this and that. No Thomas Partey. I'm actually going to tip Leeds. I think based on the opposite of everything I've just said because I just think this game's got so many narratives and just like how good is the Premier League? Like this could be anything. This game. Oh, yeah, you could say that about most of the games, really, especially coming back from the international break. But I think with, with Leeds, I think he, as I said, I don't know well enough whether he's going to stick or with his style or, as you say, become a little bit more pragmatic. But I think it's easy to stick to your style when you're not that close to the relegation battle. So, yes, they are down in 15th, but realistically, they're seven points clear of the relegation zone. And, and seven points might not sound like a lot, but... 
I mean, that's seven points against teams who just don't pick up points. So it is a bit of a golf. So I think with that, he's probably – it's a bit easier to, um, yeah, stick to your style rather than be a little bit more pragmatic. I think if he's a little bit closer to that danger zone, that seven points was sort of four points or three points, you might see a change in style. But, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Should be a good one. All right, so this one, potentially match of the round. Liverpool have – like it's just the walking wounded versus the high-flying Foxes. Henderson's out. Gomez is out. Trent Alexander-Arnold is in doubt. Who's going to win this one and why? Oh, hey. Are we calling this the Brendan Rodgers derby, yes or no? Uh, I think you have yes, to, don't you? Yeah. You got it. A couple, of, couple, of small, couple of little clubs, both one Premier League title each. Like, who do you think will get up? Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, so here we are. Uh, Leicester on top, Liverpool third, one point between them. Interesting to see what Klopp does and how he patches his team together. I've got a feeling that um, the Swiss Army knife that is James Milner will be deployed somewhere. Poor fellow will have to play left back or maybe drop into centre midfield or even play in the in the front third, but we'll see see where he deploys him. But, uh, yeah, he's probably going to get a start based on the amount of people that are out for Liverpool. I mean, I think Leicester's probably overachieved so far this season. Leicester have got more points out of these first eight games this season than they did when they won the title. So read into that what you will. Liverpool, a much slower season than they've had previously, which I'm sure isn't a surprise because the last two seasons they've really torched it. Um, So they have dropped seven points from the first eight fixtures, Liverpool. Last year, that took them 30 matches to do. So that just gives you an indication on um, how different their form is. And part of it's form and part of it is just the bad run of injuries that that they've had. But, yeah, I think this one being um, at Liverpool is going to be tough for Leicester. So I'm probably going to lean towards Liverpool. What are your initial thoughts? He's such a coward. Bloody Leicester is sitting top. Oh, I'm worried we're going to drop down to fourth. Oh, we can't be. Mate, come on. Be brave. They're top of the league. They're flying. Liverpool are, Liverpool are patched up at the back. Jamie Vardy can't stop scoring. Surely. Surely you tip your own team in this one. <laughs> well, you tip them then if you think, you know, it's going to I, I am tipping. I just, I think that Liverpool have done really well to to hang on with the back four that they've got. Like, Kloppo's just putting out fires. It seems like he gets bad news every single day of the week now, Klopp. Like, when you're winning, things are going well, good things tend to happen to you. Right now, like, that poor bastard. <laughs> like, imagine getting the phone call from Gareth Southgate being like, oh, Jürgen, um, you're not going to believe this. Joe Gomez has just fallen down on the track standing there by himself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Gareth, who are you playing? Oh, we're playing fucking Gibraltar in a friendly and you've just lost your only centre-half. Um, yeah, just – I don't know how Liverpool are hanging on and they just keep winning. Like, they've won five out of eight, but considering you've lost your back four, then you put Fabinho in to try and cover, he gets injured. Um like, they've just done so well to hang on, but I just think Leicester's going to be a little bit too sharp for him this week. Just, I just don't think that that back four can handle Jamie Vardy. Like, it's – and as I said, they'll bring Milner in, but that creates like a – James Milner's a solid performer, but like the speed of that Leicester front three, 
uh, it's going to create absolute havoc for him, I think. Yeah, well, I think you don't want to get carried away with all of the Liverpool injuries when Leicester just have just as many. So, um, like, the Leicester's two centre-halves or first-team centre-halves, Johnny Evans um, and Sionchu, both injured. Um, Casper Schmeichel um, injured during the week. Ndini hasn't played all season, um, still injured. Pereira for Leicester hasn't played all season, he's injured. Um, Madison only just starting to, to get his feet back. He hasn't um, started in a couple of weeks. He's come off the bench a few times. And um, Vardy, not last week, the week before, um, had a, a hamstring problem. So I think for all Liverpool's problems, Leicester have just got just as many problems. And the difference in Liverpool have a bigger squad that they can bring someone in. Like, um, you know, Salah goes down, you, they bring in Shakiri, um, or they bring in Jota to, to take his spot. Whereas, you know, Vardy goes down for Leicester, that could very well be their season over. They become half the team that they usually are. But I think this game is just so easy to see what's going to happen, similar to the um, Newcastle and Chelsea game, where I think Leicester will play in a low block um, Liverpool will have the ascendancy and Leicester will just try and um, do them on the break each time that um, Liverpool press forward. I think that really works for Leicester. It suits their game style. Um, Leicester have the highest shot conversion rate of any team in the Premier League and have the highest shooting accuracy being shots on target um, as a percentage of total shots as well. So Leicester are rather efficient, so they don't need a lot of chances. So therefore, I think that allows Brendy to play in that style where you can sit back and just counterpunch. Um, Vardy has scored a goal in as in an average of 70 minutes per goal, the highest in the Premier League. All from the penalty spot? Um, oh, come on, man. You missed a penalty why, last week. Is that why so many of the shots are on target? Because they're all from 11 yards out and there's no defenders? Interesting um, you support Man U and you complain about penalties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, look, I, I, I agree with you. I think, yeah, I just think Leicester, I think Leicester will win this game um, just based on really? all the factors. Yeah, I just think that Liverpool back four just won't be able to handle Vardy, Harvey Barnes, Onda when he gets out there, um, Tillman spraying balls. As you said, Madison's back in. Like it's just, yeah, I think Leicester are going to have too much. The most pleasing thing about this game is it's 6.15 a.m. Monday morning. Like so you can get up. And you can go straight into a feast of football. Leicester, Leicester haven't beaten Liverpool in their last six games. Oh, stop talking yourself out of it, mate. Just back I'm talking myself out of it, mate. It's my pundit hat. <laughs> I will be wearing my Leicester shirt to bed that night, yes. But will I be realistic on this pod right now? Yes. No, I, think Leicester, I think Leicester will win this game. Who do you tip? Tell me. So, yeah. Go on. I, I'm tipping Liverpool. Um, but Coward. how can you say that? How can you say that you don't think Leicester are going to be in, in a genuine title challenge? And if you think they're going to be Liverpool, no, I think, I think they're the Smoky. I name them as my Smoky. Okay, a Smoky, Smoky. Yeah. Right. Top, top of the league. Oh, and they're a smoky. I think. <laughs> yeah, top of the league, and then you think they're going to beat the defending champion, and they're still a Smoky. I think uh, I'm going to go a step to say that if they beat Liverpool, yes, they. I think they do go into that genuine title challenger, which is probably down to, yeah, four or five, um, unlike Klopp, who thinks it's about out to eight, interestingly. But, yeah, so who you got? You, you've got Leicester. I've right? got Leicester. And you've got Liverpool. 
Oh, come on, the boys! Yeah, ch- yeah chuck your Liverpool shirt on. You got the half and half one for this game. <laughs> oh, that's rich. Uh, all right, so Tuesday has a couple of games. We've got Burnley and Palace and Wolves Southampton. We'll talk about them on Monday. So have you got Rogers multi this week? So he's got a 100% strike rate. He skipped the friendlies because um, he hates friendlies. I do, I do have Rogers multi here. Just bear with me, talking about yourselves. The, that's right on the Nokia thirty three ten. Just waiting to close snake. <laughs> so here we are. We have um, Chelsea to beat Newcastle. That must be his banker. Yep. Um, Spurs, Man City is a draw. I got him out of trouble last time. United to beat West Brom. Yeah. Okay. United. Okay. And that's it. So how many legs is that? Four? Three? Three. Jeez, that's, Three. How much is that? I'd pay. I wouldn't pay much. Yeah, he doesn't have the stats on there. No, but I suppose that, that'll do. So Chelsea to beat Newcastle. So Lampard to get one over Brucey. Spurs City to draw. Uh, and United to beat West Bromwich Albion. Sorry. Spurs City to draw will be about three bucks, I think. So there should be yeah. some things you parlay that. You should be looking pretty, pretty good. And... Um, we're playing with house money at the moment. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Got it. Unbelievable. I, had, I got rid of that nimble loan that I got for Colo's multi. <laughs> <laughs> paid it off at, paid it off at 5,000% interest with that. <laughs> I'm still battling with the 31% interest. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, the early payout fee wasn't crippling. I just got another loan to pay that out. But, no, look, it's good. Um, On a scale of 1 to 10, how, how, how happy are you that the premier's back? Oh, I'm absolutely buzzing. I can't wait for tonight. Um, it's just so many good games. I, I'd give myself an 11 out of 10. I'm so, and Monday, <laughs> Monday morning, Leicester versus um, Liverpool. I just think that will be such a great game. Tactical masterclass. Um, and I also like to see Liverpool struggle sometimes. So, this <laughs> with the socials. How do they get hold of All right. So, emails is um, footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Facebook, Football Played on Paper. Insta, at Football Played on Paper. Twitter, at Football on Pods. Don't forget to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts um, so I can keep repaying my nimble loans. All right. We're back, baby. Come on, the foxes. (laughs) 